It's Wednesday, July 31st, 2019, and welcome to episode 226 of Tech Talk for Teachers. I'm Tom Grissom. Welcome to Tech Talk for Teachers, the show about teaching and learning with technology. And today I'm going solo. We are deep into the summer months here as we prepare for the fall semester. So I thought I would do kind of a combination of a little bit of a technology update and also a pedagogy update. Uh, as you know, uh, Tech Talk for Teachers is about how we use technology to improve the teaching and learning experience. And I think I'm going to name this episode, Is Your Pedagogy Keeping Pace with Technology? We have done a tremendous amount of work over the summertime. A lot of updates have occurred, both in hardware and software across campus. But the question I want to pose in this episode, is your pedagogy keeping pace with the technological change that we are currently undergoing? So what I thought I would do is highlight an article that is rather old from today's standards, I guess. It goes back over three decades. But this is a very well-known article in higher education, and it was first published in March of 1987 in the American Association of Higher Education Bulletin, and it's called The Seven Principles for Good Practice in Undergraduate Education by Checkering and Gamson. 1987, Checkering and Gamson looked at the previous decades of research in teaching and learning and came up with these seven principles. These principles have become very useful in evaluating teaching and learning and also for teaching and learning in online courses. So I thought I would kind of use these principles to kind of guide us through uh, some of the different changes that have taken place over the decades and if we just stop and pause a moment, what was going on in the 1980s, uh, in the 1970s, we had the personal computer revolution. By 1987, we were starting to see networks appear uh, in schools and universities for sure. And then we saw the networking of networks, and we, that became the uh, internet, uh, the public internet in the 1990s. And now then we've evolved the internet into uh, the cloud-based computing resources that we are enjoying now. So before I get started, I just want to kind of give you an update. Uh, a lot of people have worked really hard over the summertime uh, in upgrading our facilities here, and much of this work is going to remain uh, remains to be done, and we'll go into the fall 2019 semester. But here in the College of Education, we now have touchscreens in every single classroom. We are in the process of updating with new projectors and new document cameras. That's probably not going to be done because the facilities department needs to uh, pull some wire and uh, update some electrical. So that may not be done at the start of the semester, but we're really looking forward to some of the new updates. Also, for cloud-based technologies, particularly with Microsoft Office 365, has seen numerous, numerous updates over the summertime. We're very excited about some of these. Microsoft Teams has received a number of updates, as has OneNote. And uh, the new Flipgrid, which I believe was a technology pick of the week last week, uh, is also receiving some very exciting updates. In fact, tomorrow, August 1st, they're releasing their uh, Flipgrid Shorts uh, video service. And I'm looking forward to experimenting with that because I think that will add a lot in providing uh, more student voice, again, especially in our online courses uh, with students. 
So we've had a number of updates, but what does that mean to the pedagogy that we are delivering? So how do we update or should we update our pedagogy as this technology has evolved over the decades? First, let's just do an overview. The seven principles for good practice in undergraduate education. I'll provide a link in the show notes for this uh, to the article. But uh, Checkering and Gamson, after reviewing the literature, came up with seven principles based on research on good teaching and learning in colleges and universities. Good practice in undergraduate education. And I'm going to list the seven, the seven principles right here. Number one encourages contacts between students and faculty. Number two, develops reciprocity and cooperation among students. Number three, uses active learning techniques. Number four, gives prompt feedback. Number five, emphasizes time on task. Number six, communicates high expectations. And number seven, respects diverse talents and ways of learning. So after doing a literature review, these are the seven principles that Checkering and Gamson came up with over three decades ago. So let's take a little, a little bit closer look at each of them and dive into uh, a little bit more detail. So number one, encourages contacts between students and faculty. And I'm just going to read a couple of sentences that highlights uh, what each one of these is about from the article. So, number one, encourages contacts between students and faculty. Frequent student-faculty contact in and out of classes is the most important factor in student motivation and involvement. Faculty concern helps students get through the rough times and keep on working. And anyone that teaches knows that at the heart of teaching, it's about the relationships between the faculty and students that makes all the difference in the world. So we want to promote a positive environment out there. We want to give attention to the students, especially, again, in online courses. Uh, sometimes whenever you take an online course, you feel like you're just out there in a discussion board or emailing back and forth, and you're wondering if anybody's on the other end. So anything that we can do to uh, promote the interaction, and there's many ways that we can do that with technology now especially, Using desire to learn in a discussion board, threaded discussions, that's one way. Emailing back and forth, just setting up your course content module, again, in desire to learn. There's many different ways to, uh, to promote that contact. And something that I'm not sure that every single faculty, staff, and student at EIU realizes, anybody at EIU is just one click away from a video conference with anybody else on campus, whether that be on a desktop computer with a webcam or with your mobile phone and your, uh, the camera on your phone. So there's many, many opportunities for us to promote that student-faculty contact. Number two, develops reciprocity and cooperation among students. Learning is enhanced when it is more like a team effort than a solo race. Good learning, like good work, is collaborative and social, not competitive and isolated. Working with others often increases involvement in learning. So again, you know, that reciprocity, the cooperation, the peer learning, peer, peer instructions, and just having cooperative practices out there in our courses, again, makes all the difference. 
Again, technology-wise, there's many ways that we can structure this as faculty. We can go out there in Microsoft Teams, and we can set up channels for specific group projects. And we can use Flipgrid and like doing something as simple as, and many people will be doing this when we come back to fall, doing something as simple as just a little vid short video introduction uh, about yourself. And this is typical for, again, particularly our online classes or even our face-to-face -face, uh, courses. Many times a faculty member, if, if the classes are smaller, will ask the uh, students to go around, introduce themselves, say a couple of things, uh, you know, about what they're interested in, why, why they're taking the course, and uh, so on. So there's many opportunities to uh, provide student-to-student uh, -student and student-to-faculty contact. Number three, this was something that uh, is back on the radar screen. I'm seeing articles all over the place. Number three, uses active learning techniques. And if you've recently read any of the uh, academic journals and things, active learning is uh, one of those hot topics. But remember, this was from back in 1987. So this is, uh, let me just read the, the paragraph uh, introduction here about what this is. Learning is not a spectator sport. Students do not learn much just by sitting in classes, listening to teachers, memorizing prepackaged assignments, and spitting out answers. They must talk about what they are learning, write about it, relate it to past experiences, apply it to their daily lives. They must make what they learn part of themselves. And this kind of goes back to the, the old adage in teaching, you know, you can't learn for your students. The students must put in the repetition, the reps, and learn it themselves. There's just no shortcut for that. And one of my favorite phrases is, all learning is local. It happens between your ears. How do we promote active learning experiences to help students internalize whatever the content may be? And again, many, many different ways to do this using technology to help us uh, promote some of those active learning techniques. Number four, gives prompt feedback. Knowing what you know and don't know focuses learning. Students need appropriate feedback on performance to benefit from courses. All right, so we all know as, as, as students ourselves, whenever we submit an assignment or something, we want that assignment to come back graded quickly so we can get that feedback so that we can assess, or as we are being assessed, kind of know if we're in the ballpark of where our competence is in the particular content. So here's where technology can really, really help. We have many different ways here at EIU to do this. We could use Desire to Learn. We can set up automatically graded quizzes in Desire to Learn, and they can be automatically posted to the gradebook within D2L. We could set up Microsoft Forms. Every faculty, staff, and student at EIU has access to Microsoft Forms. So it's very easy to go out there and quickly create a little multiple choice quiz, whatever, whatever you want to call it, you know, a checkpoint, whatever and provide feedback. If a student misses something, you can provide little hints or tips about, you know, this is where you went wrong. And the, the importance there is shortening that feedback cycle. And technology is a wonderful, wonderful way to do that. It takes the workload off the instructor. Students are getting it immediately. As soon as they press submit with a Microsoft form, they automatically know what the correct answer is, they can get feedback on it or desire to learn uh, out there as well. We need to go out and provide that prompt feedback 
just to kind of make sure that students are on, on the right path out there. And if they're not, you know, provide some remediation and just kind of do a checkpoint out there so the student can gain confidence with the subject matter and, uh, you know, continue their learning. Number five, emphasizes time on task. Time plus energy equals learning. There is no substitute for time on task. Right, that's very true out there. It goes back to uh, you know what I was saying, you know about the repetitions and things. We can't learn the content for the students, you know, teaching and learning. It's a partnership between the teacher and the student. You know, the student must do the work. The teacher must do their work. And making sure students are productive with time on task, make sure they're studying the proper things and per- perhaps in the proper order to make a better experience. Number six communicates high expectations. Expect more and you will get more. High expectations are important for everyone. For the poorly prepared, for those unwilling to exert themselves, and for the bright and well-motivated. Expectations are so important. And this is true for many, many years of teaching. We kind of get what we expect. If we think our students aren't up to the task or you know, need remediation or start talking down to them, the students pick up on that very, very quickly. However, if you go out and you challenge students, they will most likely rise to the occasion. And then finally, the last one, number seven, respects diverse talents and ways of learning. There are many roads to learning. People bring different talents and styles of learning to college. In college and university, students, you know, we're, we're often dealing here at EIU with, uh, with uh, first-generation students. So this is a new environment for them. Everybody's kind of starting with a, uh, with a clean slate. Students don't have the baggage from high school of some of the labels that they may have been uh, labeled with over the years. So we can go out and learn from each other. And again, providing that cooperation, having that positive learning environment out there, there are many ways to do that. Making, making students feel safe, making students comfortable, whether that be face-to-face or an online environment, having the ability to go out and communicate using mobile technology. We've not talked much about that, but mobile technology today is changing the way our students learn. Our Desire to Learn system has an app. Microsoft Office 365 has many different apps. All of this content and structure is available on a student's mobile phone today. So in the end, you know, who's responsible for the learning? Both teachers and students hold the main responsibility. However, they need a lot of help. Today, it takes a village to educate our students. Whether you're in a face-to-face class or an online class, there are many people behind the scenes and many different systems to support teaching and learning. So that's it, taking a look at the seven principles of good practice in education. And those, I believe, have held up fairly strongly over the three plus decades that that was first published. But as technology changes, our our pedagogical possibilities also change. And that's what is so exciting as a teacher today. Every single faculty, staff, and student today has world-class tools available to them that literally bring teaching and learning into their pocket from their mobile phone. We have many different ways to access the technology. Our main systems here, uh, our desire to learn for our learning management system and Office 365 provides many, many different ways. And just an example to, to expand upon, you know, is your pedagogy changing? 
you know, the OneNote class notebook is a very simple concept. It's just simply a, a class notebook that consists of different spaces. You have a content space where you can deliver content to students. Uh, you have a collaboration space where everybody can work together. So going back to the seven principles, you know, that frequent student-to-student -student and student-to-faculty content, that's so easy to do within OneNote. And then we also have individual student notebooks that is shared between the teacher and each student. So we can go out there and recognize the diverse needs of our learners. We can go out and differentiate our instruction and essentially provide a unique assignment for every student, all assisted with OneNote Class Notebook and or Microsoft Teams. So Microsoft Teams is kind of you know that hub for teamwork or that hub for classwork uh, in this case. But it's about promoting that community, providing an easy way to contact other students, the teacher, interact with the content, and have that content accessible 24-7, 365. So we have so many pedagogical possibilities today. As we implement this new technology, I encourage you to go out and experiment. Taken all together, this can be overwhelming. I, I realize that. But find something small. If you're wanting to promote more feedback, you know, maybe you're not the quickest grader uh, in the world and maybe you have trouble turning student work around. Go out and practice with Microsoft Forms. Do some simple little quick multiple choice check for understanding type questions. Let the students submit that from their mobile phone. They automatically get uh, feedback immediately with the grade or you could set up a desire to learn quiz you know, same thing, automatically graded. The grade automatically goes into the Desire to Learn gradebook, and that takes all that management off of you as the instructor. Or say that you want to promote student voice a little bit more. You want, to, you want your students to get to know each other. Flipgrid is an excellent way to go out there and do those course introductions, especially if you're in an online course where you're not all sitting in the same room. So we have to find some workarounds for that. But in many ways, in an online course, that may be better because you can go and, you know, investigate other, what other students are interested in and, uh, you know, and build some teamwork uh, capabilities into the course. So we've updated many of our classrooms across campus. We have new projectors coming in, new document cameras, new computers coming in, and we also have some new capabilities with the document cameras that are also webcams and also have a microphone. So now then, uh, one of the new features in PowerPoint, and it will subtitle in either English or translate to a different language if needed, uh, will automatically go out and do speech-to-text recognition so you can provide subtitles in real time in any one of our classrooms here at EIU. So we're really excited about that when we get the new document cameras in. You can also use the microphone on the document camera to do dictation, and this is something that uh, a few of our faculty are uh, starting to do. You know, that frequent feedback, that's hard to do on an individual basis, but again, I go back to OneNote. If a student has their own individual notebook, and say that you have a section out there called Reflection, so after every class, if a student would write down a reflection on, on what they experienced, this could be either a face-to-face -face class or an online class, but if they would write their reflection about, you know, what they learned during that session, you know, what are some uh, lingering questions that they may have, that's an opportunity, again, for that feedback and that student contact, student-teacher contact, uh, you know, building those relationships. That's easy enough to do. You can either do it with an audio comment 
or you can just simply turn on the microphone and begin speaking, and in OneNote, it will automatically dictate uh, whatever you speak into text, and that's immediately put into the student's notebook, so there's no turnaround time at all. It's, it's instantaneous, and you might choose a different color of text or something so that the uh, student recognizes that, that is your feedback. But it, it personalizes that learning so much. There's just so many ways that technology is amplifying, and uh, the, the old phrase, use technology as a lever to leverage the capabilities that we have, Combine that with the different pedagogies that we now have available to us. And with the technology enablement, we can do so much now uh, as instructors. So that's kind of where we're at in the heart of summer. We look forward to the fall semester beginning. So have a great rest of your break, and we'll see you in the fall. technology pick of the week this week is a YouTube video that kind of highlights or exemplifies some of the things that we were just talking about with the uh, Chickering and Gamson seven principles of good practice. So this is from Microsoft Australia and I'm just going to read you the first paragraph of the description here. And uh, this is from the instructor. When I first introduced Microsoft Teams, I was really trying to get my students to communicate with each other more frequently and to get better interaction between them and their tutors and demonstrators, says Dr. David Kellerman, engineering faculty member at the University of New South Wales. In just three short weeks of introducing teams, class posts were up 900% of what they had been the previous year. Now, this was from a very large engineering lecture class that uh, you know didn't provide a lot of you know teacher-to-student interaction, but they introduced Microsoft Teams, one of those new cloud-based technologies, and this is an excellent example of how we can take advantage of changing our pedagogy, mixing it with the technology to have an improved result. It's, it's hard to explain this, and as I said, it's overwhelming whenever we've seen so many updates with Microsoft Teams and uh, other uh, Microsoft Teams and other technologies over the summer. But just pick something small and go out there, build upon your success, and this little video kind of gives you the big picture. It's like, well, why would I even want to consider Microsoft Teams? Well, Going back to the seven principles, that frequent, you know, student-to-student interaction, student-to-faculty interaction, that prompt feedback, going out there and planning uh, some of the different uh, things available, using active learning techniques in such a large lecture hall, you know, how can you do that? Well, maybe you need to go out and create a little mini video for different groups to go out and go through a little learning station that students can uh, can go through and then provide maybe at the end a short little Microsoft Forms quiz as, as a check for understanding. And then, of course, communicating those high expectations. And in this particular class down in Australia, it was a very diverse group of learners, many different languages spoken. So that's where you could take advantage of the technology and using you know, Microsoft's built-in translator to translate in, in Microsoft Teams in their threaded discussions to translate from English into whatever the student's native language was, say it's Chinese. So a student can post in Chinese, 
and somebody that speaks English can go out and translate that and then write their answer in English, and then the Chinese student would be able to translate the English into Chinese. So, so many new advances. Uh, take a look at this video. I think it's only a couple minutes long, but it kind of shows you the big picture. It gives you the faculty member. It gives you a, a student explaining what they get out of it. And then it also features OneNote that uses digital ink. Since this is an engineering class, you know, how do you share like a whiteboard experience? Well, OneNote was made for that with freehand digital inking and things. So uh, very little is lost. In fact, much is gained by uh, using digital ink and making the videos and then the problem sets available for the students. So I'll provide a link in the show notes for you and that's called University Classroom Fosters Learning Community Using Microsoft Teams. That wraps it up for episode 226 of Tech Talk for Teachers. For show notes, please visit the EIU Instructional Technology Center at eiu.edu slash ITC and click on the Tech Talk for Teachers link. Until next time, this is Tom Grissom. Keep on learning.